Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to the Wholeness Journey course. I hope you all are doing well. I'm excited about this video because we're going to be talking about do you truly believe or do you really believe it's possible? And we're going to be talking about what it means to believe in God, believe in yourself, so you'll know what to believe and not to believe in life. So if you're watching this for the very first time, my name is Josh Wazzy. Also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like that guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be your coach here online. But for those who's been rocking me for a mighty long time or just a few moments ago, I just want to say thank you so much for trusting what God has entrusted to me. Like I always say, I pray it continuously be treasured to you. And this video is sponsored by, not sponsored by, but sparked by my latest book, The Wholeness Journal. This journal right here will help you on this wholeness journey as we go through this course, highlighting important truths when it comes to holding the important things of life. This book right now is available on my website, IamUnplugged.com, or just simply going to Amazon, as well as take some time to think about getting this card game called Hold. Whoever spell whole first wins. It's a fun interactive card game to help you all process um, whether or not you're holding the things correctly now and how will you be better suited to hold the things in the future. But as everyone is coming in, let me know what city, state, all that good stuff where you guys are watching from and get your pens and pads ready. Also in the link, links, I think in the uh, chat box to the left or right, um, there's links. Every link you need to do need to have for this course is in the chat box right now on YouTube. If you watch this on Facebook, try to jump on YouTube um, so you can get those links, um, links to the card game, links to the books, and links to the course because I have a worksheet that goes with this course that will help you um, process the points that we're going to be discussing today. But let's get right into it. Today's main scripture, and we've been in this for a couple of weeks now, if not three or four weeks, is 1 John 4. And it says this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And this verse right here is paramount. And it goes with this verse here. Uh, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience have its full effect that you may um, oh, know that the testing of faith produces patience and let patience have its full effect that you may be perfect or whole, complete, lacking in nothing. And so right now under that line count, we're learning how to do spiritual mathematics. We're learning how to discern. We're learning how to count and process what's in front of us, which led us to 1 John 4, when it says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test spirits to see whether they are from God. Because since a lot of people are unaware of how to process what's in front of them, they end up accepting things that God never intended. And so the last video that we did, we talked about what it means to be loved, the, being God's beloved. And now we're going to talk about how being God's beloved helps us believe correctly. So let's get right into our main thought question, and we're going to recap a little bit. Our main thought is this. Your set of beliefs will determine what you will hold and how you will hold it. Your set of beliefs, your belief in God, your belief in self, your belief in what you're capable of, your belief in people, your belief in whatever it is in life will determine what you will hold and how you will hold it. Our main question is this. 
Do you know him? Do you know you? Do you know people? And do you know principalities? Do you know him? Do you know you? Do you know people? And do you know principalities? And we'll make sense of that a little bit later. But let's recap. We talked about those that know where they belong is a reflect of them being God's beloved. Being the beloved of God helps your beliefs. Your beliefs will determine who you become. Who you become will determine what how you behave. And how you behave will determine what you behold. What are the things that you want to hold in life or behold? See, feel, taste, smell, etc. What are those things that you want to hold in life one day? If your behaviors and your becomings and your beliefs and your beloving and where you belong will determine what you behold. Let's keep going. Definition of belief before we get into the meat of what we're doing. And please share this video out to people because I think that what we, I know that what we're going to share today is going to really help us to see what is possible based upon what we believe. Now, the definition of belief is this. Something believed, simple as that. An opinion or conviction, a belief that, the, oh, well, that's uh, kind of uh, whatever. Confidence in the truth or existence of something, not immediately susceptible or to, re to rigorous proof. Let's get to the, uh, the definition of a belief system. A belief system is an ideology or set of principles that helps us to interpret our everyday reality. It's our worldview. So these definitions are important for us to process. Let's keep going. Now, problem. Let's get to the meat. Many people's belief systems are being drastically affected negatively due to their lack of belief in or about God. Many people's belief systems, how they believe, what they believe, are being drastically affected negatively due to their lack of belief in or about God. Their beliefs are being shaped more by culture, society, family, friends, media, and politics than it is by God and his word, causing many people to fall into demonic traps. Satan understands that most people don't have enough of belief in God to fully believe in themselves in God, to believe that they can do things for God. And when that belief structure is impacted negatively because it has been shaped by culture, society, etc., it then causes people to be susceptible to demonic traps. Most people are unable to, to, to differentiate between what's a counterfeit and a counterpart. And for those who've been rocking me for a long time knows the difference, but for those who are new, let me expound or explain. A counterfeit is anything that you try to force fit in your life. It was never meant to be sold over the counter of your life to you. A counterpart is a piece, a person or place or thing that plays a major part in your life that God sends. And we talked about how that it's important for us to be able to be still enough in life to be able to perceive what's introduced to our lives, right? But unfortunately, so many people um, belief in God or belief about God is not solid enough, causing them to affect their personal belief in themselves and in what they're capable of, causing the possibilities not to be possible, right? So many people's belief systems are being drastically, we're talking about drastically affected because now we have a, a, a false form of belief in God. Many people believe more in a graven image of God than they are in the real God, the genuine God, right? 
And what that does is it causes people to be not accept or to not, not to be aware or cognizant of of the many ways demons come in to trap us. Many people's belief systems are being drastically affected negatively due to their lack of belief uh, in, in or about God. Their beliefs are being shaped. Keyword shaped. And we're going to talk about the word shape in a minute. Uh, their beliefs are being shaped more, more by culture, more by society, more by their family, more by their friends, more by media and politics than it is by God and his word. Everything that we believe about the things above should derive from the one above. If we don't get what we if we don't get what we need as far as our beliefs are from above, then we'll never rise above the carnal ways things are perceived and engaged in in life. See, we have to understand that culture is not suffice. Societal norms are not suffice. Family and friends are not suffice. Media, politics, and the like are not suffice. Only thing that will ever transcend everything is God and his word. And when we understand that, then we'll audit what we've heard or what we're about to hear, right? So that we won't be susceptible to falling into demonic traps. Next point. Beliefs are powerful because they shape the future. Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe it's possible to do great things for God? Do you believe God is who he says it? Do you believe in how God has wired you? You will not be able to find yourself down the corridors or the paths of possibility if your belief systems are not solid. So beliefs are powerful because they shape the future. And many people have no clue of how much our beliefs affect our lives. Let's keep going. What you believe, next point, what you believe about God will determine what you believe about yourself. And what you believe about yourself will determine what you believe you can do. And all these will determine what or who you believe in. What you believe about God will determine what you believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself will determine what you believe you can do. And all these will help determine what or who you will believe in. This is important for us to process and break it down. What you believe about God will determine what you believe about yourself. That's why it's important for us to know that we are God's beloved, that God loves us, that we as his children should be working from love, not for love. Those who are working for love will find themselves more in lust or, or in places or situations where abuse is inevitable. Those who are working from love are those who maximize time because they value time. They maximize their energy efforts because they know all those things are valuable because those things, all those things are valued by God, by which we should gain all of our value from. So what you believe about God about your situation right now? What do you believe about God when it comes to the trial that you're facing right now? What about God do you believe or know or are abreast of? When it comes to the things that you are going through, your level of belief in God will determine your belief in yourself. That's why you can have a person, two people going through the same situation and one person rise above it and the other person falls because of it. It's a big difference. Those who know and have strong belief, those who believe anything is possible through God, believe that they can do anything by Christ who strengthens them. Those who have that sense of belief that comes from the Godhead can be the head of anything and not the tail of anything. 
They can be able to pierce through the problems and navigate things no matter what happens. But if you don't have that strong belief in God, what are you going to do about what this world is going through right now? So many people are so drastically affected by what society has said about what is going on in our world right now that they have no belief in God, no belief in themselves, no belief in their capabilities, therefore falling into demonic traps. Do you know what the word of God says about circumstances? Do you know that the Bible talks about no plague should come nigh your dwelling, that a thousand may fall in my left, 10,000 in my right hand, but it won't come near me? When you know what the word says and you believe what God says, you can still navigate this world as a kingdom citizen. It doesn't matter what happens in America. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. I am fully connected in the kingdom of God. Therefore, I know I'm in assignment. A soldier that has been sent to Afghanistan, a soldier that has been sent to Kuwait, a soldier that has been sent from one country to another to, to operate in that country can care less about the civilian affairs for their ultimate joy is to in, uh, in, uh, 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 do what has been enlisted them. The word of God says, says no soldier engaged in warfare entangles himself with the civilian affairs. For his joy or her joy is to please the one that enlisted them. Those three E's are essential for us enduring. Let's break them down. No soldier engaged. Let's break that word engaged down. I tell people that the more you are engaged into something will determine how long you be married to that something. Engaged, married. People think that engagement ends when you become married, but my engagement through that phase and my engagement in the marriage will determine how long I stay married. No soldier engaged. Any athlete knows that those who are not engaged in the game, not active in the game, not in tune and invest in the game are more susceptible to injury. Those athletes on the 2-3 zone who are engaging, who are talking, who are aware, who's cutting in and who's going out, those individuals help the team win because they're engaged. They're alert. They're not engaging with what's going on in the stands. They're not engaging on what happened before they got to the game. Their ultimate objective is to only engage what they were called to engage, therefore elevating their ability to be successful in that thing that they're engaging in. Those who are engaged end up being married longer to the thing that they're engaged in. The more engaged I am into my wife, the longer my marriage becomes. The more engaged I am with my children, the longer and the lasting and the more thriving the relationship with them will be. The more engaged I am in, the better and the longer the thing I'm engaged in will be. So no long, no soldier engaged in warfare. No Christian should be caught up in civilian affairs. Their engagement should be in the warfare. The engagement should be in life, engaging in the day. Every day becomes valuable to a person who engages the day. Those who, like the word of God says, um, this is the day that the Lord has made. We know that every day that God has made has not all been made the same. Every day is new. So every day for you is new for you in 2022 for you and to engage in it through and through so that you'll be able to see what has been given to you by the one who loves you. And when you process it from that angle, then you say, let me engage this day. Let me get in it. Let me get the elbows in. Let me get in this day to see what God has made for me in this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice 
and be glad in it. I have to enter every day rejoicing, knowing that it's a day made for me. All of his trials, all of his conflict, all of his treasures, all of his joys were made for me, particularly for me, so that it will be used for my good to help turn whatever happened in the past around for my good. How can things be turned around for your good if you're not engaging the good of the day? The more days are wasted, the more you waste opportunities for you to be the better version of yourself. That's why no soldier engages entanglements. They engage the warfare. They engage the day. They fight. They press in. They engage. They are alert. Their head on swivel. They they, they know what they need to do in that day, right? Because they're engaged. The moment you lose engagement is the moment you lose the war. The moment you lose the engagement is the moment you lose the marriage. The moment you lose engagement with your children is the moment you lose your children. The moment you lose engagement in your ministry, in your business, whatever, is the moment you lose it. You may not lost it at that moment, but you're starting the path of losing it. When a person lost a marriage, their marriage wasn't lost on that particular day. They lost it years ago. The moment they stopped engaging in it, when you start seeing these negative fruits sprouting out of your children, it's because you stopped engaging with your children at age seven. The reason why your ministry fell off, the reason why your business is falling off or why things fall off is because we stopped engaging God. No soldier engaged in warfare entangles him or herself in the civilian affairs, meaning I don't get entangled with what's going on in this world. I don't get entangled in what's and what they believe and what's going on. I don't get entangled with that because that that affects my time, that affects my energy, that affects my mood. It affects a lot of things. The reason why I don't get entangled because I know who enlisted me. I know that I've been enlisted into the loving fellowship of the father, that I've been enlisted in, in the sacrifice of the son, that I've been enlisted into the empowerment and, and, the, and the guidance of his spirit, which keeps me engaged, which keeps me married longer to whatever it is that I'm engaged in. That's why it's important to know what you believe about God, because it will determine what you believe about yourself. And then you'll be like, you know what? It is possible for me to take this land. Think about the 12 spies that were sent out to scout the land of Canaan. 10 came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. 10 came back saying that we are grasshoppers in the eyes of these giants. Two came back and said these giants are grasshoppers in our eyes. How do you see the grasshoppers? No, no. How do you see the giants? How do you see the giants in your life? Do you see them as grasshoppers or do you see yourself as grasshoppers to the giant? Whatever you're facing right now is a giant. Whatever you face right now <clears throat> will be and can be used against you. But all giants fall. David was probably only six foot something, 5'11", five, 5'10". Five, he was a boy, teenager. That giant was nine foot something tall. In his eyes, he was like, man, I am spud webbed to this Shaquille O'Neal. But just because he was small and framed, the frame of mind that he was in was bigger than the giant he was facing. Therefore, he knew this giant would fall because he had practice. He done killed the lion. He done killed the bear. He done protected the sheep. So he was already conditioned for the calling. And most people, the reason why they're not conditioned for the calling, because they don't know what covenant they're in. When I know I'm in a covenant with God, I can call all giants to fall. Why? Because David saw that uh, that's, uh, the giant uh, um, Goliath wasn't circumcised. 
He saw, I don't know if Goliath had any pants on, but he saw Goliath hanging and saw Goliath wasn't circumcised. And he says, this uncircumcised Philistine, I may be small, but I am in covenant with a big God. Therefore, I don't run away. So what you believe about God would determine what you believe about yourself. It would, it would determine what you're capable of, what you believe. And it will, it will determine what you believe about yourself. Oh, and, and what you believe about yourself will determine what you believe you can do. What do you believe you can do? Do you believe you can do this marriage? Do you believe through the help of the Holy Ghost, through the strength of his spirit, that you can endure it? What do you believe that you're capable of? I, I don't want to last too long on these points. So let's keep going. What you believe about God will determine what you believe about yourself. And what you believe about yourself will determine what you believe you can do. And all these things will help determine what or who you believe in. This will keep you from falling into demonic traps. This will keep you from falling into situationships, relationships unnecessarily, selling into uh, 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 cra uh, craters or selling into, uh, what are them things called? Glaciers? Not glaciers. Uh, so it's Titanic. You know what I'm saying. Whatever some Titanic won't sink you. <laughs> okay. Next point. Everything you see or are approached by immediately enters your belief system or set of beliefs. Everything you see or are approached by enters your belief systems. So what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, what you believe you're capable of doing, what you believe in others, what you believe about money, what you believe about relationships, whatever you believe. We're going to talk about some of those things. Whatever you believe about those things, everything enters that doorway called set of beliefs. So when you face a trial right now, if you don't have a strong enough belief in God, a strong enough belief in yourself, we're talking about biblically accurately belief in yourself or belief in your capabilities, your skill sets then you, whatever enters you, whatever you see, see about marriage, see about parenting, see about money, see about career, see about anything, will be drastically affected because you have poor belief systems when it comes to God, yourself, and your capabilities. And when that happens, right, when that happens, then, then it disrupts the possibilities of, of you holding things accurately. What is it that you want to hold? If you want to hold a marriage, type it in your comments. I want to see in the chat for those who's watching live. What are some of the things you want to hold? A lot of people want to hold a marriage. A lot of people want to hold children. A lot of people want to hold a ministry. A lot of people want to hold a business. A lot of people want to hold a lot money. A lot of people want to hold a lot of things. But if your belief in God is not strong, your belief in yourself is not strong, your belief in your capabilities and your skills is not strong, then you won't hold those things for long. Everything you see or are approached by immediately enters your belief system or set of beliefs. So when this situation then happened globally, if your, if your belief system in God wasn't strong, then you will become weakened and then will be susceptible to what has, what has been propagated to us globally, right? If your belief in yourself is not strong, then you will fall for anything. That's why everything you see or are approached by immediately enters your beliefs. And Jessica J says, marriage, children, carrying the presence of God. Wow, that peace and joy. Those are strong things to carry. 
Marriage is a is a is a strong thing to carry. It's a heavy thing to carry without strong belief. If you if you and most people, the reason why relationships don't last long, and the reason why relationships are not uh, uh, elongated and are not uh, thriving and whatnot, is because they already go into it with an exit plan. They already go into it thinking that it might not work. They're going and thinking that they have a 50-50 chance of succeeding at it. When I got into this marriage, I said, I'm coming in knowing that I'm only going to marry one person. I don't have no quit in me. I don't got no exit plan or exit strategy, right? I don't have that, which keeps me fucked. I don't burnt my boats. Me and my wife are on this island alone. You know what I'm saying? I burnt all the boats. There's no way off this island, this marital island. There's no way off because <clears throat> I burnt all the boats. And when you burn all the boats, then you have no choice but to make it work with this one woman. But the issue is people got boats on the side of their marital island and they got all these boats just in case they got to sell off. But all we got is what's on this island that God has built for us. And I burnt all my boats. She burnt all the boats on the other side of the island. So we have to work this thing because we are the only ones that's going to do this thing. And when you have that belief in God, knowing that he's the only one that can sustain a marriage, he's the only one that can supernaturally sustain it, then we pull not from within, but from above so that we can have the strength within to hold things to the end. Same thing as with children. Carrying the presence of God. I, I gotta I gotta believe that that this hope, this joy, this gospel, this salvation that I'm holding inside of me. I can hold it to the end. The Bible says, they that endure to the end shall be saved. That's why the Bible says, walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling so that you can carry the anointing of God, so you can carry the power of God, so you can carry the presence of the Holy Spirit in you well, so that when you get to heaven, he can say, well done. Peace and joy is good to carry too. I got to learn how to carry peace and joy. I got to carry my peace and understand the value of my peace and knowing that nothing problematic that happens in this world should affect my peace. Because if God is not affected with these things happening down here, then I should not be affected by these things down here. And I have to carry this joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have to carry. I have to know it's valuable. And my belief in God will determine that no matter what happens, I can keep my temperament on joy and endure any ploy that may have been sent by the enemy. Thank you, Jessica, for that. But that's why we have to understand that we got to have or develop strong belief in God shaped by the gospel of God, the scriptures of God, so that we can then have the right type of belief in ourselves so that we will know what and what not to believe and put any belief in. Next point, not everything true, God bless you too, family, God bless you. Not everything true is truth. And I'm so sorry. We got God's girl. Hey, coach, I'm going to order your whole card game. Thank you, God's girl. And let me know how it is when you play it. Charlotte in the house, we neighbors, we here. Watching from the UK, thank you, Sophia James. Thank you for joining us. Next point, not everything true is truth. That's something to understand when it comes to belief. It may be true you don't have a lot of money now, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not wealthy in Christ. It doesn't mean that, that God can't teach your hands how to profit. It may be true that you're sick now, but it ain't the truth what the word of God says about your health. It may be true that you're single, but it ain't the truth about what God and who God has for you. 
So not everything true is truth. A lot of people, are they make true truth. You can't make everything that's true, truth. You, you It may be true now, but it ain't e the eternal truth. That's why I got to go to the truth, the word of God, and go to the truth, the person who was manifest in flesh, Jesus himself, to know what's really true for me. A lot of things that we believe is true is not the truth. And therefore, we make a true, we make a truth out of a true. And we wonder why we're not going and endeavoring or built to follow through. Not everything true is truth. And you got to have your belief in the truth. So when true things come, you won't make a true a truth. Because when you make a true a truth, then you become identified by that true that you made a truth. And then you will settle in it. And then you won't really be able to engage into the possibilities and, and seeing that you're actually able. <clears throat> Who cares about what you're going through right now? The reason why we make temporary seasons permanent is because we made a true thing a truce. We believed more in the ailment. We believed more in the sickness. Our belief was more in the problem. Our belief was more in how problematic our family was. We, we made our problems truth. They become our gospel. And we wonder why we haven't been set free by the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot make a true truth. Just because it's true right now doesn't mean it's the truth of eternity. And we got to elevate our belief in God to become so solid that no matter what affects our wallet, no matter what affects anything in our lives, we know what the word of God says. That's why we got to not just only believe the truth, but we got to become the truth. Many people believe the truth, but they haven't allowed the word of God to be, make them to become the truth. I got to become it. I just can't be saying what the word of God is true about money, but don't walk in the truth about what the word of God says about money. I can't believe the truth about marriage, but not become the husband, what the word of God says about a husband. I got to become the truth so the effect of what I believe can shape my reality. So just because it's true doesn't mean it's truth. Next point. Shapes and shaping are important. Beliefs shape our future. When shapes and shaping are important. Let's make more sense of that. Our beliefs shape our before shapes our beliefs. Our before shapes our beliefs. So what are some of those things that happened before in our lives that has shaped our current beliefs? Number one, B, our bouts. Our bouts shapes our beliefs. Your bouts are your fights. You know, in boxing, they have bouts, like, like, like our fights, our, 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 our engagements, right? Our fist to fist and fights of our lives, right? Shapes our beliefs. If you caught a lot of L's, but didn't catch a lot of lessons, then those losses would determine your bossing. It would determine how you lead. It would determine how you, you serve. It would determine what you believe is possible. A lot of people lost a lot of fights and they become, their identity is shaped by the losses that they lost versus the lessons that they got from the losses. So what are those bouts that you were in, those fights that you were in that shaped your current beliefs? Do you think of yourself lesser because you lost some things? You were trying to fight for that relationship, but you lost that relationship. You were trying to fight for that job, but you lost the job. You was trying to fight for the opportunity, but you lost the opportunity. How is, it, how is that shaping your beliefs? It doesn't matter what I've lost in my life. I don't live my life based upon wins and, and losses. Coach never loses. 
because I always learn. <clears throat> Life is all for me is about wins and lessons. What can I learn from this loss? Yeah, you really lost. Yeah, you caught an L. But what kind of L did you catch? If they throw a loss at me, I use that L to spell lessons. And what can I learn from this loss? What can I learn from this battle? Also, if I've won, if I won a battle, what can I learn from that win to keep me winning and to keep me from my head elevating into pride even more? So bouts are important. Our beliefs, our bouts shapes our beliefs. How you, the wins and lessons, the wins and losses, the things that we're fighting against, the things we may have lost in the fight or the things that we have gained in the fight will shape our beliefs. Number two, E, our environments. Our previous environments have shaped our current beliefs. Some people grew up in a poor home. Some people grew up in a bad home. Some people grew up in a bad neighborhood. And that environment is determining what they believe. Now they believe they're going to always be poor because they grew up in poverty. They always believe they're a gangster because they grew up around gang violence. They, 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 they don't believe they can amount to much because they didn't have much to, to amount to. Right. So a lot of people, their previous environments are affecting their current belief system, causing them not to believe in God. Well, why would God have me go through this? God put you right through that thing because he knew that thing was going to make you. That's why I tell people you are you shouldn't allow yourself to become a product of your environment. Your environment should be a product of you. So I'm not going to sit there and, and, and taint and contaminate my current environments because I may have grew up in a bad environment or went through a bad environment at some point. No, I allow those environments to shape me into a positive belief, knowing that God will utilize every environment I was in through observation and possibly through experience to shape the the accurate belief systems that will cause me to believe accurately and not to believe all spirits and not to just fall for every propaganda and agenda and not to fall for every sweet nothings, right? Empty phrases. Because I know just because you may have grew up, listen, I'm telling people, I tell kids all the time, just because they have a father and a, a, a man and a woman in the home doesn't mean they have a mother and a father. I said, the perfect home is the home that allows God to run it. So my mom, who raised me by herself, that family structure with God, because she, the reason why I'm so solid about God, my, my, my mom continuously played the word of God everywhere I was around from zero to, to whatever, zero to hero. It's all because he taught me, she taught me about the hero, Jesus himself. And because she elevated my belief in God so strong that it, it, it permeates from me, right? And so what we have to understand is that, hey man, I can stand under anything because the one that stands inside of me. And the point that I'm trying to make is, what point am I trying to make? Let me see. Oh, uh, what point am I trying to make? What was I saying? If someone watched me, what was my main point to this? Not allowing your environment to be, allowing your environment to become a product of you versus you becoming a product of your environment. Man, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, maybe it was meant for me to lose. But I can't, uh, Okay, Chris says, hey, man, I take that same thought pattern with me to work. God, I need you to lead these employees. Yeah, exactly. That's important. So the thing about environments is, is that I'm going to make sure that every environment becomes a product of me and not allowing any environment previously to affect the, pro the uh, environment I'm currently in. Let's keep going. And whatever train of thought that I had, it'll come back around. 
in this video or another one. Other Another before that shapes our current beliefs is F, our family. Our family oftentimes affects and shapes our beliefs. Your family that you was uh, born in and the family that you brought in as far as other people. And families, a lot of people's ideals about life has been so shaped by their families and what they believe that their family in God uh, uh, is not ever found. Even Jesus was like, when he was, uh, uh, one of his disciples came to him and said, man, hey, yo, Jesus, your mom and brother trying to talk to you. And Jesus was like, who's my mother? Who's my Who's my brother? At that time, the text was revealing that there was some tension between Jesus and his family. His family was thinking that Jesus was doing the most, doing too much, right? What the issue was, was what Jesus was saying was, he says, if you're not with me in the will of God for me, in the will of my father for me, if you're not about what this Godhead is doing, then you can go ahead. If you ain't with the Godhead, you can go ahead. Because my real family and my, my real mother, my real brother, are those who are in purpose with me, what the Godhead wants me to do. And so you can't allow family to be God to you, causing you to ignore what God has for you to do. Another before that shapes our belief is all other people's opinions or opinions, personal opinions, opinions from people, opinions from programming, right? Who cares about those opinions? The issue is a lot of our belief system right now has been drastically affected by somebody's opinions. What were those people's opinions? What are your opinions about yourself? And how are they shaping your current belief? Another before that is shaping our beliefs now is relationships and religion. Our relationships, whether it's friendships uh, uh, or relationships, are shaping a lot of our belief system. Now, right now, most people don't believe in love no more because they will fail and got hurt in lust. Why, why do you have a poor belief in love when you never engaged in love? What you had wasn't love. It was lust. Never allow a prior lust to affect a, 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 the right kind of love. That's right. Jessica says, yes, we should love our family, but not be in bondage to their will for our lives. That's right. God's girl says, yes, I see the results. Uh, Diana, uh, Diana did an awesome job raising you. Glory to God. She sure did. My mom did an amazing job. Uh, you change your environment. God breathing, running the home. That is right. Neo Mo says, this is good talk, Josh. I appreciate it. God gets glory. You're welcome, family. But it's important for us to know that, hey, just because a person has an opinion, I got to filter that opinion through, through God's opinion of me. Do you know enough of God's opinion for you to know whose opinion should be trashed or treasured? A lot of people's current beliefs are affected by other people's opinions and their personal opinions because their belief in God is not strong. Oh, we in relationships and religion. Yeah, relationships. A lot of people's previous relationships have them affected. It's affecting the way they see love now. Listen, man, all exes can help you learn how to manage your nexus. You see what I'm saying? And we talk about nexus as far as people, like you got a bunch of wives ahead of you, a bunch of husbands ahead of you. It's about, hey, man, what can I learn from this relationship? And just because you may have been the cause of the federal relationship doesn't mean you can't change and, and, and do better in future relationships. Also, religion. A lot of us were brought up in bad churches. A lot of us was brought up in bad homes. As far as church homes and the religiosity, the, the religiosities of those former churches or Christians is affecting the Christ. Listen, you don't measure a faith by the ones who follow the faith. You measure a faith by the one who 
designed the faith. Christians ain't got nothing to do with Christ. The church, a, a bad church don't have nothing to do with Christ. <clears throat> bad churches, bad Christians, they ain't got nothing to do about how good Jesus is. You don't got nothing to do with it. So a lot of people's belief in God is shaped by uh, uh, the failures of religiosity in our society. They ain't got nothing to do with God. That's why a bunch of people are going to bust hell wide open because they're going to be like, because of your Christians, because of your church, I decided to live this lifestyle. Because of your Christians and because of your church, I did X, Y, Z. And God says, what does X, Y, Z got to do with A, B, and C? <laughs> what does X, Y, Z got to do with A, B, and C? I'm the alpha. I'm the before. I am the Christ. It doesn't matter what happened with your ex or what the Y was or how you got zilch out of that thing that you was in. It ain't got nothing to do with me. And that's what God is saying. Just because you grew up, just because you got church hurt, just because you was whatever, doesn't got to do with the word that God has to say. Right? Last but not least, another before that affects our current belief are our experiences. We have gone through some bad experiences and it's affecting our current beliefs. Let's keep going. Now, set of beliefs, what you believe about these things. Here are some set of beliefs that you have within your belief system. And there's plenty more things. There's like over 100 things or so. But here's some things that I had because I, I created this whole lesson to this morning. So, And I had an hour and a, and a half coaching session before that. So I wasn't able to come up with all of the set of, uh, the set of beliefs, the things that are inside of our set of beliefs, right? Uh, but here are some things. Number one, God. How you believe God or what you believe about God. What you believe about yourself? What do you believe about love? What do you believe about relationships, family, marriage, friendship, etc.? What do you believe about circumstances and problems? What do you believe about money? What do you believe about creativity? What do you believe about people and humanity? What do you believe about success? What do you believe about forgiveness? What do you believe about these things and more? That's a lot more. These are your belief systems. What you actually believe about God, yourself, love, and the rest will determine how you will, or if you will ever become your best, right? These are things you got to think about. And throughout this course, we'll be highlighting a lot of these different things. But for time, so let's keep going. Now, belief in God. Everyone knows what Proverbs 1, 7 says and another scripture, I think some 9, 10, something like that. It says, the, the word of God says, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So we're talking about belief in God, belief in self, and belief in what you are capable of doing or what you believe outside of yourself. These three sentences are very paramount. The fear of God is not meaning that I'm scared of God. This is for those who may be new to this. The fear of God doesn't mean that, oh, God may strike me down or I'm afraid of God. No, the fear of God is my level of reverence of God. The omnipresence of God is probably one of the greatest attributes of himself. Because many people think that God's omnipresence means that God is present to only tally my sins, to only tally what I've done wrong. No, God's omnipresence is his his ability, not not only his omnipresence inside of you through his spirit, but his omnipresence in the governing spirit of his spirit, how he governs society, right? And how he governs things, right? His omnipresence is there to hold me, to help me. And to tell me to watch out for what may try to hinder me, right? His omnipresence is, is a powerful resource. And what it does for us, it helps us understand uh, who we are and what we should welcome. 
right? So what that means is, is look at it, that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, my level of reverence. So his omnipresence meaning that he is not just there uh, um, just to be there, but he's there to help. God's omnipresence is similar to, but a billion times greater than Siri, than Amazon Echo. Soon as you say a phrase, Siri, Siri pops up open and does what you say. Soon as you say whatever the Echo thing is, it echoes. It gives you what it needs to say. God's omnipresence is a billion times greater than that. His omnipresence is, is there to give you the wisdom, to give you the wholeness, and to determine what you should welcome in. So the more I believe in and invest in and acknowledge often this omnipresence of God, what it then starts doing based upon my reverence in it and my understanding of it and my appreciation of it will determine the sparking of the level of wisdom that I walk in. That's why I say the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, meaning that my level of fear in my marriage of God will determine how wisely I walk in that marriage. The level of fear that I walk in when it comes when it, to God, when it comes to whatever else I do, will determine how wisely I walk in that thing. That's why when you look at belief in God, the fear of God's beginning of all wisdom, meaning that my belief in him must be strong, which will then lead me to my belief in self. The fear of God is the beginning of all wholeness. The more I reverence God and understand God and love God will then begin my wholeness. It will be the beginning of me becoming stronger, better, greater than my former self. The fear of God is now the beginning of my wholeness, which will determine how well I hold it or whatever it is, which will then begin to say the fear of God is the beginning of all welcoming. That I don't welcome everything that comes to my ear gate, eye gate. Right. I don't welcome everything because I believe in God. I don't welcome fear of man when I fear of God. I don't welcome the fear of any virus when I welcome the fear of God. I don't I don't welcome any propagated agendanized or anything that's such from anywhere, from people's opinions, from societal's opinions, from whatever. I don't welcome anything because I fear God. My reverence and understanding of God will be the beginning of my welcoming. It will determine what I welcome in and what I don't welcome in. That's why it's important for us to understand this, that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of all wholeness. The fear of God is the beginning of all welcoming. Let's keep going. Now, how do we shape our beliefs? Here we go. Here's what we should need to get to and settle in for the next 15 minutes or so. How to shape your beliefs so you don't believe everything seen or sent to you. How to shape your beliefs so you don't believe everything seen, seen on TV, seen on social media, seen everywhere, or people or things sent to you, contracts, opportunities, relationships, etc. Number one, you must screen what you believe now. You must screen what you believe now and compare them to scripture. Everything that you believe about God, whatever it is, I want you to write down everything that you have a belief system in. And I gave you 10 or 12 things, right? 
Screen what you believe about God. Screen what you believe about yourself. Screen what you believe about your capabilities. Screen what you believe about relationships. Screen what you believe about love. Screen what you believe about money. Screen what you believe about success. Screen what you believe about people. Screen what you believe about whatever. Screen it all. And in the screening, compare it to the scriptures. The scriptures will then will show you what the word of God and what's God's viewpoint on how your worldview should point and where your worldview should point. So number one, you got to screen what you believe and compare them to scripture. And then next, slow your life down. The faster your life goes, the more you start believing in junk. But the more you slow your life down, the more you can carry in your trunk. The more you can carry in life, right? Slow your life down. Number two, you have to assess. So we spell the word shape. The first, the first word was S. You must screen, right? You must screen and compare the scripture. Two, H, you have to assess where your hopes lie and begin to anchor them into heaven. I anchor above so that I can rise above. So people think of an anchor. They think of an anchor being um, something below. But an anchor can be above. How can an anchor be above? When you're on a zip line, your anchor is above. Um, when you're uh, anything like that, your anchor is above, okay? So there's two types of anchor. I'm anchored from below or I'm anchored above, right? So when I'm anchored from above, I am dictated by what I'm anchored in, right? So when my anchor is in heaven, as below, I above, I rise to, I mean, as above, I rise above, right? So when my anchor is above, he would determine my rising. He would determine my setting. He would determine where I go and how I flow. But if your anchor's from below and your anchor's in this earth system, in the world system, then you ain't gonna be able to rise high. And so that's why I gotta assess where my hopes lie. Bungee jump, yeah, your anchor's from above. So no matter when you let go, you always bounce back up, right? And so that's why it's important for us um, to say, um, where's my anchor? Is my anchor below that's keep me from rising or is my anchor above that always rises me, right? I got to know where my hope is. Is my hope in above or is my hope below? And that's why I ask people, will you be too heavy to be raptured? Will you be too heavy to be raptured because you're so anchored by this world system? The Bible says, love not the world. Neither things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The pride of life is the one I'm focusing on right now. When you become so prideful of this life, then you ain't going to be raptured to the new one. And so we have to assess where our hopes lie. Is my hope more in money? Because whatever your hope in will determine how you fluctuate. If your hope is in money, you lose money. What happens? Depression is inevitable. Or if you rise with money, being prideful is inevitable. But when I'm anchored above, no matter how much money I get or come through, I'm still sustained by the favor of God. You can have, you know what? If I only have a dollar in my pocket, I'm still good. If I only have a dollar in my pocket and I've been proven to be a good steward because I'm anchored in heaven, I always say money comes to me a thousand different ways. You see what I'm saying? And my brother here, it's a testament of it. He says, we need to make moves to understand our families that may hold us back since they set the standards in us. The stuff we're not taught naturally, spiritually, too earthly minded, or too heavily minded, being no good balance. That's right. We got to be balanced. 
And so what I'm saying is like, and thank you for your donation, bro. I appreciate it. Like, I'm not concerned and we should never be concerned about money because money comes from many different ways. And you guys are so generous. And thank you all for those who've been supporting me, who give um, towards my ministry and, and help me pushing this. And those who desire to give, you can do so on my website now. At, oh, I ain't going to do all that. But I am unplugged.com and your generosity uh, is uh, uh, ex uh, appreciated in advance. But what I'm saying is that no matter what happens, I can I will always advance. Like when you're anchored in heaven, it don't matter what happens in the earth, Sam, shortages or the like. You connected to heaven, you never in a shortage. So we have to assess what, uh, where, uh, where our hopes lie and begin to anchor them in heaven. So no matter what happens down here, if it starts flooding down here, heaven will raise me up. It doesn't matter what happens down here, heaven will raise me up. No matter what happens to you, heaven will raise you up. It doesn't matter the shortages down here. It doesn't matter if it's flooding down here. It doesn't matter. If your hope is in God, he'll rise you above that river. And people are going to be looking at Christians curiously like, how in the world are you still fat and plush and fluffy? And I'm like, why are you still eating good and healthy looking? <clears throat> how are you being provided for? Well, you know what? That's right. Scarcity is a mindset. Scarcity is a mindset. Supply is a mindset. I have a supply mentality. I have a supplied mentality, which then has me to supply, right? Right? So I have a supplied mentality, not a scarcity mindset. That's powerful. I have a supplied mindset that all my needs are met, that God, uh, 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 he, prov uh, he, he provides everything for me. I'm a supplied mentality. That doesn't mean I get complacent. It just means that I know he's my source, right? And uh, Young Yunu says, thank you, Coach, for everything. God bless you. You're welcome. But no matter what happens, damn, man, you can, my, my marriage, my wife can attest, I can attest, any believer can attest that no matter how bad it gets down here, no matter how stressful it gets down here, we are always raised above. Powerful. Number three, we got to begin asking questions and auditing everything that approaches us. How to shape the right beliefs is that I don't believe everything that's brought to me. I don't believe everything I see. I don't believe everything I read. I ask it questions with common sense, with scripture supported, and with the Holy Spirit leading. I ask it questions. Everything that approaches you, ask it questions. Who sent you, number one? Why are you here? I asked, I told a young lady the other day. One of my students, I said, man, you sh if a guy says, I love you, ask him, what do you love about me? Inve ask him what you love about me. You love me. Okay. What do you love about me? Why do you love me? What does love mean to you? What evidence do you have proven in the past that you actually love me? You ask your questions. Every man that approaches you and says, I love you. Every woman that says, I love you. You ask, you audit it. Anything that offers a... a um, an opportunity, you ask it questions. Investigate it to see if it's worth investing. You got to ask it questions and audit everything that approaches. Do you love me? What do you mean by love? What does love mean to you? Because people's definitions of love can be skewed. And so if you got a skewed, if this person got a skewed version of love, then how will that person be able to love you? So you got to ask things questions in order for your beliefs to be shaped appropriately. 
But if you just accept everything that comes to you because you're desperate, insecure, and impulsive and impatient, then you can't help but realize you find yourself as a doctor's patient over and over again because you're sickly. That's why the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The devil always moves goalposts. The enemy demons always move goalposts. What that means is if your hope is in money, he'll move the goalposts further. That's why you find a bunch of people sad and depressed, but they're millionaires and billionaires because you know what happens when you pull your yacht up and you look to your left and you see a smaller yacht, you get prideful. But then what happens when you look to the right and you see a bigger yacht? Now you all depressed, but all of y'all are billionaires. So money don't make you happy. It may bring happy moments, but it don't make you happy in your soul. So what happens when your soul is desperate? What happens when your soul is not held? You start trying to uh, identify yourself with certain things and then find those things to be proven that they can't even hold you. So you have to say, hey, man, hey, man, I'm asking questions. I'm going to audit it to see if I should, should, should buy it and supply it. And any all objectives, agendas, everything brought to you, you got to ask it thorough questions with a scriptural lens, with from a biblical standpoint, from a biblical worldview. Begin asking questions and auditing everything that approaches you. Everything. Who sent you? Why are you here? What do you have to offer? in comparison to what my purpose is. And so when you're ignorant of your purposes and you're ignorant of what God has for you, you'll accept anything. Number four, so we talked about S. S means you have to screen what you believe and compare to scripture. Uh, H, you got to assess where your hopes lie and begin to anchor them in heaven. Number three, uh, A, begin asking questions and auditing everything that approaches you. And now four, P, you got to practice acknowledging God more and pour more into you. How you can start shaping the right belief system to believe in anything's possible that God has for you. You got to practice acknowledging God more. Now, what does that mean? In order for my belief system to be shaped, because when you are when you engage something new, your belief system may not be solid enough for that thing. So if you're new to a thing, like for me, one, one day I'm going to become a parent. I'm going, it's going to be apparently that I'm a parent, right? And so when I become a parent, there's going to be some insecurities that rise because I've never been a parent before. There's going to be some things that rise because I've never been that before, right? But what I know is the more I practice acknowledging God, God, what do you think about this? God, help me with this. Recognizing God's presence, acknowledging him more, it starts shaping my beliefs in real time. See, your belief, there may be some beliefs in you that may have been shaped out of 20 things. You may have 14 things shaped well, but what about the six things that are still being, that are still shaping in? Right. So things are still shaping in your life. And when you are in those situations, you got to acknowledge God always. I got to acknowledge God because God is still shaping my beliefs as I'm going through this thing in real time. Therefore, I got to acknowledge the one that's above time so I can maximize the time. So I got to practice acknowledging God more. Next for P, I got to pour into me more. Self-care affects beliefs. The more I'm into self-care and I take care of myself and I, because when you look, what, the, what, what Deion Sanders say, let me look it up. Deion Sanders says, Sanders quote about uh, 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 quotes looking good. Deion says, says, if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you play good. Powerful. Like if you, if you look good, 
know what I'm saying? Like if you if you look good, like if you say, hey, I, I am proud in how I look. I'm in the gym, which means will shape your belief. Get in the gym, eat better. Because he says, if you look good, you'll feel good. That's good. If I look good and I'm in my best body, I'm in my best shape, and I feel good, and I and I and I and I'm and I feel good, and I look good to myself. Like even though I may not like everything about myself, but I still look good to myself because I see the future. I see my future self, even though I'm looking at my current self, and I'm in the gym and I'm working out, I'm eating better. If I look good, what else? I feel good, and when you feel good, you play good. That's important. If I feel good. I can be a better husband. When it's time to play in marriage and play in marriage, whatever it is to play, to actually engage, I feel good because I look good. Therefore, I play good. So you got to pour into you more. Take care of yourself in order to help shape your beliefs. Because when you look good and you feel good, you have a greater, you in a greater sense of frequency, of energy and vibrancy that when you engage things, you have stronger confidence, right? And that best place to engage and pour more into you is in the presence of God. Be poured into, and then also you pour into you. And that's important. Number five, we got a long one. Number five, you got to eradicate all sinful habits. You got to extinguish all unnecessary emotions. You got to guard all entryways. You got to establish standards and boundaries. And you got to enjoy God and have empathy. All this came this morning. So, you know, it's fresh. Right? So number one, you got to eradicate all sinful habits if you want to shape your new beliefs. Because some of our belief systems right now are shaped in iniquity, are shaped in sin. And sin, you can't win with sin. So you have to eradicate all sinful habits and be like, all right, God, show me the sins, the big, the capital S's and little S's. That's what I mean by that. The sins I am aware of and the sins I may not be aware of or the sins that I'm setting myself up to fall into. And I got to eradicate those practices. Those who practice sin, those are the ones that don't win. We're going to make mistakes, right? We're going to find ourselves in error. But if we make a practice of them, then we are saying to God's principles and the power of his word is not able to save me. And therefore, I love my sin more than I love the ability through Christ for me to win. So I have to eradicate all sinful habits if I want to be successful, if I want to walk into what's possible for me, if I want to be uh, uh, in that realm, I got to eradicate all sinful habits. Next, I got to extinguish all unnecessary emotions. You can't control when emotions rise. But you can control if you get on that emotional ride. Man, that's powerful. You may not be able to control when emotions arise. The Bible says be angry, but what? Sin not. You may not be able to control all emotions when they arise, but you don't have to be, you don't have to get on that emotional roller coaster. Most people are riding these emotional roller coasters when, yeah, you see that emotion rise, but you don't have to get on that ride. So I have to extinguish all unnecessary emotional. Uh, 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 risings, right? Because I know that nothing catches God off a surprise. Therefore, if it doesn't catch God by surprise, I'm not going to let unnecessary emotions arise, right? So I have to extinguish that. The Bible says it's okay to be angry, but don't fluster that flame of anger that you turn into sin. It's okay to be sad, but don't invest in and engage that emotion that it leads to depression. All emotions have a negative byproduct if overly invested in. Understand that. All emotions, even good positive ones, if overly invested in, will end up destroying you. 
Next, you got to guard all entryways. You got to guard all entryways, right? That's right, son. You can't win with sin. You can't win with it. You can't. You have to, uh, oh, my wife just got home, so I got to hurry up. Guard all entryways. What is coming through your eyes? What is coming through your ears? What's coming through your mouth? What's coming through your nose? What's coming through your touch? I got to guard all entryways and be like, what am I allowing to always enter me? Propagandas, agendas, people's opinions, ideals, ideologies, worldviews, concepts, religions, food, circumstances, whatever it is. What am I allowing into my entryways? And I have to learn how to guard them so I can shape my beliefs. Next, I got to start establishing standards and boundaries. Maybe I'll do another video on these on these E's because these are these are very dense points, heavy points that may require some um, elaboration. But I have to establish standards and boundaries in order for my beliefs to be shaped the way the, the Lord wants them to be shaped for me to enter into my possibility, into my full potential. I got to establish standards and say, no, this is what I do and this is what I don't do. I have to establish boundaries. You can only go but this far. Jessica Reed says, I personally become overwhelmed by social media for that reason. Take a lot of breaks from it. You have to. You got to break away so you don't break apart. All right. So next point, I also got to enjoy God. And have I got to enjoy God more. I just got to enjoy him more. And for in order, because the more the more you are around a mentor, the more you are around someone that you glean from, you become more like them. You end up becoming more like your teacher. Who's teaching you the most? That's who you're going to become. So how should we, how can we shape our beliefs so that we can, uh, how do we shape our beliefs so that we don't believe everything seen or sent to us? We have to screen what we believe and compare them to scripture and slow our lives down. Number two, we have to assess where our hopes lie and begin to anchor them in heaven. Next, we have to begin asking questions and auditing everything that approaches us. We have to practice acknowledging God and pour more into us. We have to eradicate all sinful habits, extinguish all unnecessary emotions, guard all entryways, establish standards and boundaries, and enjoy God and have empathy. Empathy has a way of shaping our belief because now we begin to see God, you know, we begin to see people through the lens of God. I pray you guys was blessed by this message. Oh, okay. Um, this book is available now on Amazon, The Wholeness Journal. Just type in Joshua Ezzy. My name is uh, right here. And you'll be able to get that book that I believe will be a benefit to you. I pray this message was a blessing to you. Hope y'all got something uh, uh, powerful out of it. Um, uh, and I play, uh, Jessica says, can you clarify? Can you clarify even over investing in good emotions can be a bad thing? Great question. I'm glad I saw it, Jessica. Uh, so this is what I mean by that. Um, so happiness is a positive emotion. Um, 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 the feelings that come from success is a positive emotion, right? Let's talk about happiness. If I overly invest in a state of being happy, I now idolize a thing that made me happy. So if I start keep, I have to keep myself balanced because if I keep investing in what makes me happy, then I think that that's the sole source of my happiness. And then I start overly investing that thing that makes me happy. And when that thing proves not to be the sole source of my happiness, then I find myself in straight depression. It becomes a bad thing because it ain't the main thing. So, so when you having a great moment or or people only uh uh uh, uh um glean from the positive peaks of a relationship 
And when you have a false expectation of the positive peaks of a relationship, then what happens when you're in the valleys of the relationship and then you start being impatient? You'll be like, well, why? When are we going to get back up here? When are we going to go through this? You were so caught up and focused on the relational peaks that you're not used to the relational valleys. People who are only invested in the idea of the relational peaks will not be able to handle the relational valleys. That's with anything. Society always paints the pictures of the positive peaks, but never talks about the tough valleys. And so most times people focus on the positive peaks. And then when life brings them through valleys or when the, when God brings them through various trials, they start getting into sadness. They start getting into doubt. They start getting into questioning God. They get into walking away from God. They start creating graven images of their own God. They start worshiping that God and they start going up mountain peaks that God never wanted to go up to. Because the, if what if Moses went up the wrong peak? He wouldn't have got the Ten Commandments. Most of us are climbing graven image design peaks to try to hear from God. And we're hearing from our idols and doctrines of devils. And we wonder why we never find ourselves succeeding. So the issue is when you get so caught up on trusting in relational peaks, financial peaks, uh, high points of a thing, and you're not able to understand the values of that thing, then you will never go up the next mountain. Because if all you know is the peak of one mountain and you don't know what it means to go down that mountain and go through the valleys and the seasons of the ups and downs of life, then how will you be able to have the strength to climb the next one? One thing about life, you're not going to be helicoptered to tops of peaks. Life is not going to helicopter you to the top of a mountain. You have to climb it. So I hope that helped, Jessica. Please let me know if it did. So I love you all. Y'all be blessed. Make sure you go to my website right now uh, for books, card games, resources. If you need one-on-one coaching, if you want to talk to me about your relationship, uh, your spiritual development, your singleness, finding your purpose, branding, marketing, business ministry, et cetera, go to my website right now, imunplugged.com, and let me know what your budget is. Book a session. Let me know your budget per hour or based upon how many hours, and it will make something work, Lord willing. Also, check out my latest book that sparked this course, The Wholeness Journal. Are you whole enough to hold the important things of life? Also, check out the card game, Whole. The first one who spelled Whole wins, the fun interactive card game to help you guys uh, in relationships and parenting and friendships to understand what it means to hold. If you're single right now, you want to learn the purpose of your singleness. This book right here will be a great resource to help you maximize your singleness. This book, Dating Prep, is a great book to help you date God, date yourself, and become dateable so you can date the love of your life forever. It's a lot of great questions in this book. Also got a card game to go with that book um, that you can set, sold separately, of course. Um, but um, that this the questions will either help you end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship. If you're struggling with soul ties <clears throat> or strongholds, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, is a great book. How to Untie Soul Ties and Uproot Strongholds. Great book right there. That bird right there has been set free, but the bird rather stays in a cage because it doesn't uh, have the strength to fly in freedom. If you're struggling with discernment, whether or not this man is the right man, the woman is the right woman, this is the right job, this is the right place to be, whatever, whatever, right friend, right counsel, whatever. Whether that's a counterfeit counsel, a counterpart counsel, whatever it is, this book, Counterfeit or Counterpart, will be a great book to help you process and how to discern the will of God for your life. My wife and I also have our first children's book. As he says, as for the students I serve, great book for young kids, um, uh, third grade and up, fourth grade even to high school students to help them discover their art form and to serve um, their, their uh, community with it. Also, if you're struggling with um, spiritual warfare, this book, World War of Me, is a great book to help you win the war within so that you can know what it's like to know what it means to put on the whole armor of God and to withstand 
in the evil day. We also got t-shirts on our website and ways for you to give and support what I do. If you were blessed by this and you feel in your spirit to give towards this, you can give to support us, my wife and I, as we do ministry, as well as our mentoring programs. You can find more about what I do, my wife and I do at IamUnplugged.com if you feel <clears throat> led to give. So thank you all for watching. Let me see what I got. Um, uh, great con event cast has great conversation. Uh, Sonia Cooper says, Please do another video on the ease. I will, I will think I might do a part two next week. Lord willing, on that, you're so welcome, Jessica. Um, can you date in high school? Great question. Uh, it may, it's not wise to because the only time you're ever going to realize it is right to date after you had dated these two people. The issue is we have more exes than we do uh, opportunities to date ourselves, right? The two people you should date first that will give you clearance or revelation about whether or not you're able to date going forward is to date God and date yourself. Dating God doesn't mean you take God to Starbucks or you take God um, to Panera Bread. Or you take God to the, to where they, where they make the best fish and best chicken in town. Dating God means I set a date and time for me to engage God often, for me to be poured into, to find out his will for my life and to just build my spiritual disciplines and spiritual skill sets, right? Dating myself means getting to know myself. I oftentimes tell people to take this test at 16personalities.com, 16personalities.com to find out more about themselves. The more you date God, the more you begin to find where your worth comes from, where your value comes from, where your hope should come from. Then dating yourself gives you honest assessments of where you are in life. Dating yourself right now should let you know whether or not I'm able to date. And nobody in high school is wise enough, smart enough, intelligently enough, intellectually and emotionally intelligent enough to be able to date anyone because your brain, number one, physically, naturally is still being developed. Most people in high school don't even have a solid enough relationship with God enough. They don't know enough about God. So therefore, if you don't know enough about God, know enough about yourself, know enough about the enemy's tactics and strategies against you, then you're not going to be able to date well. So in all that, I say all that to say, high school's not a good time to date. I wouldn't date anybody in high school because it won't profit anything beneficial. That's my advice there. Love you all. Hope y'all was blessed by this. I'll see y'all next week, Lord willing. And I'll be doing lives throughout the week. But as far as this course here, i see you guys next Saturday, Lord willing. I love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time and peace.